Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, home of the SEC football show where forever to the Gamecock Brian Lowe and all the all Tyler McDaniel put their friendship to the test during a grueling football season, all while highlighting and fighting for their volunteers and Gamecocks, respectively, throughout their season, as well as our thoughts on other teams in the conference, as well as the league. So regardless if you're a volunteer or a Gamecock or somewhere in between, let's kick this thing off and talk some ball. What's up all you cock and balls and welcome to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. As always, I am forever to the Gamecock, Brian Lowe, and joining me is all of all Tyler McDaniel. T-Mac, how you doing today, bud? No, pretty good. Pretty good. It's another, another week. A Monday. The world is a little colder right now for me since I had to shave for this show that I'm in. That's right. Had to get um, rid of all the the facial scruff. Yes, all the all the beard is gone. And speaking of that, had you in a, a place where you actually weren't able to watch any football Saturday? I did. Uh, this past Saturday, we were in like a what initially was supposed to be an eight hour tech. For some of us, turned into a twelve hour tech day, uh, just to get us back back on schedule. Uh, because as we're recording this, we do open in three days. So, uh, yeah. we had to, you know, a, bu- a bunch of us that, that w- could afford to, to stay over, you know, the non-children of the of the cast. Basically, like, when it was supposed to be time for them to leave, we all kind of like, well, we need to stay and be able bodies and finish some lighting, some set painting, some constructions, you know, because we got to get... Right. Back on schedule. And um, this show is a demanding show as far as that type of show. stuff. Not only that, but I mean, yes, you are working with kids, but trying mm. to get them corralled and get them to do stuff whenever they're, you know, oh, sponges. Uh, so they're wanting yes. to, to learn anything and everything mm-hmm. and trying to keep them corralled and then also memorize everything you've got to memorize but mm-hmm. also be able to help prompt them at mm-hmm. times whenever they may forget something or or, or need a little encouragement or mm-hmm. something like that yeah it i can i can definitely imagine that so it's i a, was in a uh high school auditorium for 12 hours on saturday with no service I had to catch up when i got home and was just wow what it what a well, <laughs> what a Saturday it was for a lot of teams. <laughs> Considering this is the Cocky Top podcast and what happened this Saturday, yeah, uh, not being privy to to any kind of information best. was was definitely for the best. Especially in trying to make sure that you guys are going to be able to put on a great uh, yeah. show for the yeah. for the folks coming out to to see the show. Absolutely. Um, for any of you that may not know, Tyler is playing the Trunchbull in uh, Matilda. Mm-hmm. Tyler, tell them where they'd be able to actually check that out. Uh, you, we open this Thursday, and it, the shows are at Jeff County High School uh, in Jeff County, Tennessee. Uh, you can go to etcplays.org to reserve your tickets. Uh, they are selling pretty quickly, and we actually, the second Thursday, have a special pay-what-you-wish uh, donation donation day. Nice. Uh, so... A lot of people are already latching onto that one, as opposed to the other shows, uh, which is you know it's 
human nature. <laughs> right. But, uh, but you know, audience is an audience. So uh, if you're in the driving distance, I highly recommend it. These kids are very talented. Awesome, awesome. Well, getting into the world of football, I mean, you did mention the fact that, that it's cold because of the lack of facial hair. And mm-hmm. on the drive-in, uh, both yeah. of us almost two hours apart coming into work and it and as the day has gone by i mean it's getting a little bit later on uh we're recording this over of course on the in Mm -hmm. eastern time uh so it's 11 a.m here and it is still very deeply overcast yes uh here in the foothills or the valley of Mm -hmm. the great smoky mountains and usually whenever it's like that um and is still this cool this late in the morning Uh, That does indicate snow, and something else that I saw um, before coming in today is that this is supposed to be, whatever this means, uh, one of those little news ticks that flashes up against Mm -hmm. uh, uh, your screen as you've got different notifications from different platforms or whatever come in, and uh, one said that we are expected to have an El Nino winter, whatever that means. I remember the original El Nino uh so i'm guessing that's what the case may be and if that is the case uh and the the persimmon forecast is true uh you know the folks of appalachia um base you know what they think is going to be uh, what type of winter it's going to be uh if you cut open a persimmon and it has a knife shape on the inside of it means that the cold is just going to cut right through you but if you have a spoon shape Uh, And whatever your area is, that just means that you're going to be shoveling a lot of snow. And most all the persimmon forecasts that I've seen from around the East Tennessee area uh, are are spoons. Spoons all around for the most part. So, with all that being said, my thought is, with the emphasis, and I know this is an SEC podcast... Uh, or SEC focused podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to to get butt hurt because we call it an SEC podcast or being mistaken for that SEC podcast or the SEC podcast. Yeah. Uh, we are at a and SEC podcast focused podcast. Is it with the focus that is on the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the Big Twelve, with the majority of those being Midwest, Upper Midwest, Upper Northeast mm-hmm. teams. Are we going to see a lot more snow games this year than we have in the years past? And do we have the potential for something like that to happen in Lexington Ooh. this year? Or do we have a potential for that to happen in Norman, Oklahoma? Do we have the potential for something like that to happen in Columbia, Missouri? Ugh. Um, I mean, I've seen torrential downpours in some of these games, but I have yet to see I haven't seen a, an, an SEC snow game. I when when has the last time an SEC snow game has happened? That's something to look up, and that's something that we'll definitely have to uh, figure out before the, the next episode. That's but crazy. Get, <laughs> getting into... This last week's set of games, as you all know, uh, both the Gamecocks and the Volunteers fall to their respective opponents. South Carolina, of course, once again falling to Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz. The Drinkleberg strikes again. Um, As a South Carolina fan, like I said, I went into this game with the thought process of 
you're going to have to prove me wrong for me to change my ideas mm-hmm. and perspective, especially for the remainder of this season. And it is just due to the fact that we have so much youth and lack of cohesiveness on the offensive line because we did lose so many players to the draft or um, transferring mm-hmm. out uh, for whatever reason on this season. And it was more going to the draft than it was uh, to the transfer portal or injury at this point. Yeah. Um, but some of those that would have been starters on the offensive line this year, like Kaysen Henry, uh, like Jalen Nichols, some of these people – um, did get some meaningful reps last year, but it wasn't like they were at the forefront of the offensive line last year. Mm. So this year, I've reserved myself. I seriously have went ahead and mentally prepared myself to the fact that there is a possibility that South Carolina may not make a bowl game this year. If they do, I will be ecstatic. Mm-hmm. But um, going back and looking at the overall predictions – I mean, at this point, we're going to have to win out the rest of the season for us to get to my original, I believe, seven and five prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, six and six looks to be more likely, especially the fact that we still have Texas A&M, um, Kentucky, uh, Vanderbilt, and Clemson. And oh, let's not forget. Jacksonville State's been doing some great stuff as of late, too, albeit it's a, a FCS school. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this conversation whenever we talked about South Carolina going in and playing Furman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mean I mean, anything. it doesn't really yeah. mean anything, and, and the FCS has jumped up and bit a couple of tails already uh, on some Power 5 schools this season as it stands. Um, but it was the same old song and dance, Brady Cook and Luther Burden. Uh, while the Gamecocks did hold Burden to under 100 yards, he did have four catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but the rushing game for South Carolina, or the rushing defense for South Carolina, should I say, was much in the same because they allowed um, uh, Schrader 26 carries, 159 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Um, and Spencer Rattler on the day... Did not have a great day. Um, the the offensive line was, considering the fact that we were down after the switch that we had a couple of weeks ago, and some things seemed to ignite. Mm-hmm. They they've just reared their heads again through through some additional um, injuries on this week. Uh, looking at the box score. Uh, to continue, um, Spencer Atler, 23 of 40, so his percentage definitely dropped after this game, uh, and they were after him the entire night. Uh, quarterback rating at the end of the day was 19.4, which is definitely not good. Average of 5.4 yards per attempt and had one interception on the day. Um, Mario Anderson really not able to get anything going on the ground this ta- this time. Uh, 12 carries for 68 yards, an average of 5.7 um, with a long of 17. So, I mean, it's there if we have the opportunity to get it going. But, again, it's a situation where he's a senior, so he's going to be gone. So we're going to be relying on youth talent yet again uh, going into next season. But hopefully we will have some more gelling on the offensive line. The story, though, because Xavier Leggett wound up going out, he had one catch for 20 yards, uh, and it was that one catch um, for Xavier Leggett. 
um, while Trey Knox and Carryon Joiner and Omega Blake, um, Blake and Joiner three catches, Trey Knox with five catches for a few yards. The the big catch would have been Nick Harbor, of course, being the phenom coming in, uh, five star overall athlete, massive size and speed, uh, especially insane speed for his size. Uh, had two catches for 50 yards with the long of 28. Um, but it was a situation where, uh, despite the defender ripping his helmet and knocking his glasses off, still made the catch mm. after some debate because they had to review this one. And we'll get into the questionable officiating uh, because I know that has definitely been a serious topic, mm. uh, especially for the Tennessee-Alabama game. Um it was, of course, um, finally ruled a catch. The main thing for South Carolina is zero offensive touchdowns in this game. Same thing that happened in Florida at the Florida game last year, and, of course, we wound up coming back the following week and doing what we did against Tennessee. I'm hoping for the same thing against Texas A&M this next week because that will be fantastic and that will be one hurdle and getting us back toward – uh, that 500 yeah. mark and, of course, closer to a bowl. But Mitch Jeter on, I think it was five attempts, yes, five attempts, was able to kick four field goals to get South Carolina their 12 points with that final score being Missouri 34, South Carolina 12. And like I said, um, in some stuff that you might be able to hear on the Patreon uh, before we really got into the show today, South Carolina now sits... Two losses away from facing bowl ineligibility. Mm -hmm. We are at five losses now. We get one more loss, and we still have the potential to go to a bowl game. If we lose two more, that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could go five and seven on the year, which is going to be really terrible. Um, But, again, I, I, I don't know. It seems like at this point one of the only things that I can't say the only things. There's two things really left to be able to fight for, and that is bowl eligibility, and if that doesn't happen, it's still going to be taking it to Clemson at mm-hmm. the end of the year uh, whenever they come to williams Bryce. Because after this next game at Texas A&M, the last remaining four games for South Carolina will all be home games. And I'm hoping I might be able to get down there for the Jacksonville State game. We'll see. So... But moving on away from the Gamecocks and going over to the Volunteers, um, like I said, I have seen a lot of posts. I have heard a lot of firsthand recounts, um, but it seems like there was some rather abysmal and egregious calls or not calls, uh, missed calls uh, by the referees. But also, just a situation. In watching some of the playbacks of things, there were, and I'm typically not someone who says, like, the refs are why people lose and win games. I think if you play great football and play the way you're supposed to, some flags shouldn't alter too much of a game if you're really good. Seeing some of the things that happen, like, you're going to sit there and tell me that Alabama only had one penalty flag for five yards the entire game. Right. And they some of the played that clean. 
some of the descriptives that I heard about some of the the holds and stuff that uh, mm-hmm. there's one where they're like there's a, a an offensive lineman for uh, Alabama has clearly got a hold a, a chokehold look. Yeah, like somebody's got somebody in a sleeper hold almost. Yeah. Just just sitting there holding them, and they didn't call it. Didn't call anything. Well, this is the third Saturday in October. We're let gonna them let them play. Let them play. Yeah. Well, yeah. then make sure that you equally let them play. Yeah, I mean there were some egregious calls during. In no capacity did it have any real effect on the outcome of the mm-hmm. the Missouri South Carolina game, but there were some definitely some more egregious calls. But and there that one seems that to be a pattern. Like this season, there has been a lot of bad refereeing going on in multiple SEC games. So to the point where it's a national conversation. And when you've got like other leagues, other conferences talking about like, golly, did you see the refing in that? Missouri South Carolina game. Did you see the refereeing in that South Carolina Florida game? That Tennessee Alabama. Like from game one, there has been a series of terrible refereeing in SEC games this year, and a a smattering of boos. Whether you're there live or you can hear it on TV, I've I've never really experienced this bad a refereeing across an entire conference. Um, so I think it's a very interesting conversation to have and uh, NCAA and TSSAA and all that should should be having that conversation and should be looking at things. I think that I don't know the intricacies of the world of ref in college football. Um, I know my family is uh, my grandfather and my uncle and my older brother, they're basketball refs for the TSSAA. And then, my, as my older brother puts it, refing legacies uh, because they've refed multiple state tournaments. And at one point, my grandfather was head of the TSSAA. Um, so, well, in in speaking with our with our accountant and and her husband, they play a lot of softball tournaments mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, he has been hired to to ref some tournaments or mm-hmm. umpire some tournaments for softball, so they do get paid. Yes, to to do this. And but if you're in a conference like Big Ten or SEC refereeing, you get paid handsomely. Well, I'm <laughs> glad we we're getting into this yes. subject, and I went ahead and actually took the liberty of looking this up. College football referees will get an average of 800 to 2,500 per game in 2023. In the Power 5 conferences, known for their intense competition, referees can make up to $3,500 per game. Whew. Okay, yes, that does seem like a lot of money. I would love to be able to go out for one day, run around while these guys played football, I can sit behind this microphone and say that I would call a, a fair game. A fair game. But whenever people know that you do this and I'm the truth and fiction, you know, scenario comes to mind. 
you see in cinema, whether it be movies or TV or whatever, that it is known who these people are. I mean, you can watch these games and you can see, oh, well, that guy ref this game and that guy ref this game and this guy got this game. I mean, there's only a finite number of these people for these games. Mm-hmm. These are also human beings. Very fallible. Fallible. One hundred percent in, in, in terms of the beings. fact that that stuff can be missed. Mm-hmm. But whenever stuff like this becomes so egregious, you can't help but think that they're influenced in some other way. Whenever you've got the amount of money that is placed on sports betting, and I know this is whipping a dead horse as far as this conversation, but whenever you can look at someone and say the $3,500 you make a game is crap compared to what I can give you or what I am prepared to go ahead and give you now for an influence in this mm-hmm. but it, the therein lies the fact that there has to be indisputable proof yes. that that is the case yeah so unless you're uh, an organization that is putting a tail or has someone that is a monitor on an official yeah for you know their entire officiating life and who wants to live like that for you know doing something like this or the league comes up with a better way to better substantially pay these people mm-hmm. but they're of course never going to make the type of salaries that the players themselves are actually paying no. like I said I, I didn't get to really watch it firsthand. Uh, I watched a lot of uh, clips that were sent to me um going back and watching on YouTube post-game stuff, there were some, some pretty egregious calls that went Bama's way that really influenced a lot of things. But again, I you know I can't speak to the to what's actually happening. If there is anything actually happening, I'm not someone who is going to move forward and say Bama would have lost if it wasn't for the refs. That's just not the type of person I am. Um... Even if it was 100% true, it could come out tomorrow that, like, yes, it was heavily influenced. The refs were paid, blah, blah, blah. Um, But if Tennessee played the football they played last year. Or even the football they played in the first half of this game. Yes, or even continued to play the football they played in the first half. It shouldn't have been enough to substantially affect to the point where we lost and couldn't score again in the second half. And right. everything just fell apart because, like, we legitimately, from the sound of things, looked like a completely different team in the second half. But looking at some numbers, I mean, Joe went 28 for 41, 271 yards, two touchdowns. He rushed 15 carries, 59 yards, and... Squirrel White had 10 receptions, 111 receiving yards, and one touchdown. Yeah, Squirrel went off. Yeah. They came out in the second half and stopped the run like they needed to, forced him to throw. You know, if you you watch a full Tennessee game, aside from the average of six to seven big throws Joe can make in a full game, the, the, the like, oh, man, a 75-yard throw, and Squirrel comes down with it. 
the those the are so minute. Throws. Yeah, compared to the throws that he actually makes in the game, that are like five yard throws, eleven yard throws. Because they either have too much heat on them, or they're yeah. behind the receiver, yeah. or those, over their head. Those are the throws you have to make to win the game. Yeah, and Joe just I hit think somebody that this in game. Stride. Yeah, I think that this game in this season has made a lot of all fans uh, appreciate Hendon more from last year. Oh, um, for sure. He's, he's not. And and we knew that Joe was not the quarterback Hendon was. We knew what Joe was like at Michigan. The fact that he lost his starting job at Michigan. The fact that last year he lost the starting job to Hendon. And here we are halfway through the season with two losses. Um, you know, a natty is out of the reach but if we win out, that's still only two losses. And, and, and if win you win game, out, yeah, if you win out, I mean, that's taking out Georgia too. At that's this point, that's taking out Georgia, staying in the top twenty, top fifteen, and only having two losses again this season. There's, it's there's, still, it's still, and and my, and at the beginning of the, this this season, I said nine and three was my yeah. prediction. There's still also a flip of the coin, a computer program out there that says we go six and six. Right. Regardless of what happens, as a Vol fan, speaking to other Vol fans, I'll tell you what's not the answer at the end of this season. Looking for a new coach. Firing people. Burning your jerseys. Right. Being angry on Facebook. That's not the answer. No, and these are the the lot more the casuals or yes. the bandwagons that wind up jumping on whenever mm-hmm. a team's having success. Like, if you can't stand with a team, or if you're going to jump around on teams, I mean, I'm not going to fault you for just having an overall fandom, but but don't like, don't just jump in and out whenever you it's know very, it's convenient. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you may see a lot of the less ca- the the more casual fans uh, angry and all that, but I still think if we're doing some good things. I still think Happel is a fantastic coach and recruiter. I still think we are uh, on the path to being uh, contenders over the next few years. Um, but this is just year three for Heupel. We yeah, gotta let I his mean, players come in. It, it's it's the same story for the Gamecocks. It's just that Tennessee is is currently in a bit better position, and that's one of the things that I see most common in the the chat threads and in the message boards and stuff in the Gamecock fandom. Is so many of these people are well? Why hasn't Shane Beamer been able to achieve the same things that Heupel has in the same amount of time? Well, one, Tennessee had a better roster mm-hmm. than what South Carolina did. Albeit, Tennessee did have several pieces leave. The overall level of talent that was there to begin with was better than what Muschamp was being able to bring in before he ultimately wound up being let go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's one of those situations to where, yes, this would be like the first year where a decent amount of the players that are there are Beamer players mm-hmm. albeit and same thing for Hypo like mm-hmm. he's getting his players in but there's still a contingency a decent contingency 
that are leftover players from the previous regime that have bought into what Heupel and respectively yes. have bought into what Beamer is is trying to do. Um, but you're trying to acclimate someone to where they were the best one or two in their school or their division, their general uh, uh, region that they played for to now going against where everybody that they play against was the best one or two out of their mm-hmm. region and the level of competition is that much higher mm-hmm. and to there are very few people who can make that transition with no problem um, if they go to some of these prep schools to where it's like that's all they're doing like there's it, do you remember the kid Bunchy yeah. in the commercial for the Super Bowl yeah have you like followed any of his story huh. like this kid is legitimately being traded around to different teams or his his parents are driving him around to wherever it is that's going to provide the best opportunity for him because whichever place he can go against the best competition is that whole iron sharpens iron yeah so th- <laughs> that sort of mentality being scaled up like you know it's there's very few of those people very few parents who are willing to go that distance mm-hmm. and not saying it's because they don't love their kids i'm sure they absolutely love their children with everything that they have but very few parents are going to go through driving three hours you know from one district to another or whatever just so their kid or to get up and fully move from one place to another just so a kid can go against the best competition Mm. that they have the you know opportunity finger quotes opportunity to to go against so they can on paper you know and and of course physically become the best version they can be so they could do something like be the person you know on a high school football team and then be that person that makes that that instant transition from you know high school into collegiate athlete or athlete you know sports or whatever but the the general overall that's not the case Mm -hmm. it's it's a situation to where they need to have some time to develop in the college world they need to go through multiple spring camps. They need to go through multiple summer, you know, weightlifting, you know, regiments and stuff like that. They need to go through, you know, a second uh, a fall camp before they actually fully get everything that they need to be able to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of stuff, of course, you're going to be seeing over the next few years. But then herein lies the problem. If you're getting a higher caliber of athlete in to begin with, at destination X, destination Y has to expect to do the same thing yeah. if not try to bring in someone better. And then, of course, this is where you get back into the world of NIL and which schools have the funds and everything else to be able to do something mm-hmm. more so like that. And, uh, again, it's it's no different. The people that were at the forefront before the curtain was pulled back or the veil was mm-hmm. pulled away are the same schools that are going to be doing it now. They're just going to be doing it a lot more extravagantly mm-hmm. because of the fact now that they don't have to be secret about it. Yeah. 
like someone's now not going to miraculously come forward and start donating more money to the University of South Carolina just because it's been made fully legal that you can sponsor a kid for doing something. You were going to do it one way or the other if you were going to do it. It doesn't. It didn't take doing this to to be able to have that. You know, yeah. a thing. Yeah. So, but there's still so much more to play for. Uh, kind of like we talked about a uh, little before we started recording. You know, Josh Pate's uh, comments. Oh, absolutely. Over the, weekend, um, uh, the fact that there are teams and there are sports writers and there are full-on broadcast entities. Uh, no matter the network, who think that since you're not playing for a natty, your season's over. Yeah, if you're not trying to get into the... And now it'll be, oh, it's a little bit more expanded. The the restrictions are a little bit less or that, that grip is a little less tightened. Mm. Now, because you're going to be fighting for a possible 12 spots, yes. but you're still... There's if, still so much to play for. The fact that you would, you would what is it, spew that garbage, yeah. as he said... Uh, is 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 just trash. I mean, oh, you're gonna give up because you have two losses and just you know screw the phone ball it in the rest of the yeah phone it in. I'll screw the ball opportunities, school the stat opportunities, uh, the the you know, uh, the fan opportunities. Like you're just gonna stop because you you're out of contention for the natty. If everybody did that, then you know every team but two teams would phone it in. All over the country. Yeah. And and to to further that, and not necessarily that point, but the fact that there are people with enough influence, enough people with, with power to be able to get their word out, have enough people that listen to them, that it directs entire people's narratives. Yes. And, and their, you know, thoughts and perceptions of something without taking more time to, to see or, or figure out uh, um, multiple viewpoints on this same topic and formulate an opinion of their own. They just instantly go to what one person thinks. And, and this is something that can be an uh, uh, off-season topic mm-hmm. in... In that, that if you, and kind of a, a cross reference to something that we briefly touched on in the uh, Between Two Barrels, especially this month with the spooky episodes, mm-hmm. in that if enough people believe something, then it's going to happen. And that's what he was talking about. Um, whenever the playoff, whenever it changed from the BCS championship, to the playoff system where these four teams would have an opportunity you'd have a semifinal and a final to ultimately determine who the national champion was at uh, that particular year is that a group of people got together and said this is the way that we're going to talk about this mm-hmm. and it's going to be just hyped and pumped so much as far as this is the narrative, this is the narrative, this is the narrative, that it ultimately affected the students who played the game, the athletes who played the game, and that you did start seeing a lot more people opting out because Mm -hmm. 
they felt like there was nothing else left to play for. But where did it actually change? I mean, the only difference was that instead of a quote-unquote computer model that was still then edited and ultimately decided by people mm-hmm. is still the same thing. You've just got one of those games. You've got one extra week of games out of it. That's all that happened out of the playoff era. Yeah. Is that one extra week of games came out. And now that we're moving to this 12 playoff format, the only thing that that's doing is just help helping the upper echelon of talent of these different schools, wherever it is that they're going, for that particular season or whatever, is going to get that athlete more prepared to make the transition into the NFL because they are playing that many more games during the season. So you're going to go from people supposedly, quote-unquote, opting out of games to now, if you're around the top 15 as opposed to the top 5, 6 you're going to see an opportunity to continue to be able to go and go into one of those spots because of how they're doing everything. And after the the conference championship games, you're pretty much going to be able to see what that's going to look like on any given season. And then who's to say that some of the people, like if you lose your conference championship – that you may not be the team, and I don't know how that's going to be decided. And this, again, is just more conversation for the offseason. And we've only, thankfully, we've only got four other games to cover. Yeah. And we go over the rest of them that yeah. are not the, the Gamecocks and Volunteers relatively quickly. Um, is that the fact that do you say you have a Georgia versus Alabama for the SEC championship, Georgia wins – next year they're automatically into the playoffs at that point well do you turn around and say all right alabama you didn't win this game now you're not good enough to be able to earn the at-large bid so basically are you looking at the conference champions and then the conference runner-ups so do you have to ultimately get to the conference championship at that point anyway or is it the fact that this is going to be a since the the Pac-10 or the Pac-12 is now going to the Pac-2 and those teams are being absorbed either into the Big Ten or into the Pac-12 mm-hmm. or uh, Big 12 and you know vice versa you're going to have what would be basically three main conferences as it were or five or four Big Ten, SEC, ACC Big 12 Yeah. okay so, yeah, you're going to have four main conferences, and if they get to a situation to where they're not going to be doing divisions in them anymore, mm-hmm. then you're looking at four spots, and then if the pack 2 doesn't get absorbed into something before that becomes a thing, five. You've got five spots at that point that will wind up being conference champions. Yes. And then, once again, you've got then a slew of other teams to be able to give seven spots to. And then, like I said, since you're not having an actual division championship game, Mm -hmm. then how does that, you know what I mean? So, once again, I mean, you're going to get to a point to where, oh, if you lose X number of games, then there's no way you're going to be in the top 15 so there's no way that you're going to be, you know, even in contention to be chosen for one of these at-large spots mm-hmm. because I doubt that anyone past the number 15 spot is ever going to be chosen 
to be put in. to be put into the the twelve team playoff. Yeah. The other thing stat that, that baffled me is we had more total yards than them, less turnovers, and more first downs than them. Oh yeah, on paper you sh- by all rights should have just absolutely mopped the floor with Alabama, but just baffling it is it is mind-boggling but that's why it's played on a field and not on paper yeah and even the the results of the game looking on paper can drastically Mm -hmm. be different than than what the product on the field is so tennessee sitting at five and two uh we won't know full uh top 25 lineup till uh tuesday so well alabama now is showing quote-unquote in the top 10 so georgia and alabama are in the top 10 mm. so we now have two sec teams in the top 10 yeah that's otherwise completely splattered with with big 10 big 12 and pac 12 teams this portion of the cocky top podcast is brought to you by the gatlinburg brewing company with 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, Legends. In the... the Western showdown that basically was this week. Ole Miss and Auburn. Ole Miss barely escapes the Plains with a victory. Final score 28-21. I know we both were hoping that Auburn would be able to take it to Ole Miss and be able to uh, derail the lane train. Auburn, unfortunately, falls to 3-4 on the season. 0-4 in SEC. Not looking good for Hugh Freeze Mm -hmm. and Auburn in his inaugural year. I don't know if I see a coaching change at the end of the year uh, in this scenario, but I mean they're kind of in the same boat the Gamecocks are. I mean Gamecocks being two and five, Shane Beamer's not going to be on the hot seat at the end of this year if he doesn't make any significant coaching changes. His seat will start to warm up going into next season, but we'll have to see how the rest of this season shakes out. Same for Auburn, um, but like I said, I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to be on the the hot seat anytime soon but the fact that Ole Miss does sit three and one in SEC play with Alabama and LSU still yet to to take on I mean they still control their destiny whenever it comes to the SEC West at this point Mm -hmm. and Ole Miss also plays Georgia this year so and without Brock Bowers which we discussed at the end Mm of uh, um, last week from the Vanderbilt game that's definitely going to impact. Thankfully, you are Georgia, and you do have these play, uh, uh, people to be able to step in place, and you have had an extra week off, and we'll get into this to the preview show. Mm-hmm. Both Georgia and Florida on bye weeks this week, this last week, mm-hmm. getting ready to go into the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Split right down the middle. Half the stadium's red, half the stadium's blue. Game. <laughs> After what Florida did to South Carolina, got the momentum of getting Billy Napier's second ever road win, and now you're getting ready to go to a neutral site and take on a Brock Bowerless Bulldogs. Are we ready 
to see in second year Billy Napier a SEC East led by Florida going up against whoever the West dishes out in the final year of divisions because a lot would have to happen outside of this because of the loss from Tennessee to Florida mm-hmm. if Florida beats Georgia. That means Tennessee is going to have to beat Georgia mm-hmm. and Florida will have to have two more division losses to mm-hmm. be able to equal out their win over Tennessee for Tennessee to be able to go to the SEC championship. And then Georgia would also, I think Georgia, yeah, at that point Georgia also would have to lose another SEC matchup, mm. which is possible because I think they go to Columbia, Missouri this year. Yeah, they do. The SEC East for everybody <laughs> is open for everybody is. not named South Carolina or Vanderbilt. I mean, it's so wide open. I mean, crazier things have happened in the back ends of seasons. Oh, and I can't forget about Kentucky. Kentucky's yeah. still firmly in that mix, too. Yeah. So, the East they were on a bye week this week. So the East I mean, hasn't necessarily been grasped yet. Not, no, seven. not entirely, but, I mean, there's four four teams right now mm. that that really stand a chance in any capacity. Five teams, sorry. Yeah. Um, like I said, everybody not named South Carolina or Vanderbilt at this point for the SEC East. Uh, moving on from that one, like I said, final score, Ole Miss does escape the uh, Jordan-Hare uh, with a slight victory of 28-21. to 21. We talked a little bit about this one in the before the, the episode, uh, so if you do happen to listen on Patreon, uh, this or listen to the, for any stuff through Patreon or whatnot, this was an abysmal game. Uh, Mississippi State travels to Arkansas. I watched uh, a comedian who posted uh, who posts weekly videos, and he he looked at this and he said, it "Was was there was there a baseball game today? Mm. Did did Mississippi State and Arkansas have a baseball game? Arkansas falls to two and six on the season, zero and five in SEC play. Mississippi State four and three on the season, one and three in SEC play." Arkansas at this point, game. yeah. Arkansas at this point has to win out, otherwise they are not going bowling in any capacity. Mississippi State has two more games to win, and they are able to punch their ticket to bowl eligibility. And that's one thing that we hadn't mentioned for any of the other teams yet. Um, Alabama already sealed bowl eligibility. Tennessee one win away. Uh, Ole Miss secured bowl eligibility. Auburn three wins away. South Carolina needs to win four out of their next five games to be bowl eligible at this point uh, with a daunting schedule ahead of them. And Missouri, of course, 7-1 and one on the season, 3-1 and one in SEC, has already punched their ticket for bowl eligibility at this point. Not much to say about that Mississippi State-Arkansas game. I mean, whenever the final score is 7-3, to three, offensive miscues, really, I guess, is the name of the game uh, for this one. Actual looking at one sack for Arkansas, four sacks for Mississippi State. So, I mean, even defensively, it it wasn't, you know, much of anything. Six punts for uh, Arkansas, eight punts for Mississippi State. Just a bad game. It was just a bad offensive game. I mean... 
yes, a defense would hold, but they weren't like forcing turnovers or anything, but neither offense could get anything going against either defense other than just the lone couple of things. Like, I mean, <laughs> even as far as offensive stats, uh, Mike Wright, 85 yards passing. K.J. Jefferson, 97 yards passing. Neither quarterback eclipsed 100 yards. Uh, Mississippi State rushing. One, two, three, four, five, six people. 36 attempts for a total of 120 yards. Arkansas rushing. One, two, three, four, four people. Total of 37 attempts for 103 yards rushing. Um, Mike Wright attempting 11 of... Mississippi State's rushes totaling the most yards for 60 and KJ Jefferson with the highest number of attempts for the second highest number of yards for Arkansas I mean I can't say anything as far as this this week just because of the simple fact that South Carolina was unable to score a touchdown it was all field goals but at least there was, you know, points. Yeah, definitely more than this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and I really don't have much to say about the next game either, and the last one that we're covering as far as the SEC, and that would be the LSU Army game. I thought that the service, uh, one of the service teams, especially Army, would actually step up and do something um, but you called it you said that they were going to just completely blow them out of the water final score 62 to nothing uh, a complete dog walk yes uh, of army yes I'm glad that these these guys are are potentially going into the actual armed forces yeah and and are going to be protecting us in that capacity yes and maybe even you know some decent players that could join the 2028 flag football olympic u.s olympic team yes um but as far as as far as representing the the u.s in terms of a regular football team not so much not so much uh our bonus game Oh, yes. to be a, a heck of a game. Actually, listen to some of this stuff. Uh, Florida State did beat Duke. However, North Carolina. North Carolina lost to Virginia in what nobody saw coming. No. It's like... 31-27 <laughs> to final. The, the Virginia Cavaliers wound up having some of that the hills have eyes strength yeah. just come out of nowhere. And we're able to take it to North Carolina because apparently, and I didn't get to watch this one, but listening to some of the stuff about this game, is that the North Carolina front on either side could not do anything Mm -hmm. against Virginia. But our bonus game was the Miami-Clemson game where we both hoped and chose Miami over Clemson. And the you got it done. First time they have won at home against Clemson in 67 years, and it went to double OT. Streaks were meant to be broken. Streaks were definitely meant to be broken, and if I couldn't get one broken for the Gamecocks against Drinkleberg, I'm glad that Miami wound up breaking a streak that Clemson held over them 
for 67 years. Hats off to you, Clemson University of Miami. University Clemson of Miami. Out of, the, out of the picture. Uh, at this point, because they have lost three games, they mm-hmm. are likely not going to the conference championship. Quite possibly. In any capacity. At the Florida State North Carolina. Championship still? Unless and some other ACC, crazy things happen. ACC is going to have some weirdness because you may be looking at a situation in the ACC on one side or the other to where you're going to have teams that have a very similar record just because they don't wind up playing each other. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to find a way to say which one of these teams is going to it. And I scored in the do season. Not, yeah, I, I do not know how they're going to differentiate that or how that's going to be decided or or what kind of legitimate valid answer you're going to be able to give a fan base to any one of those fan bases to where they are going to you know without any kind of kickback say sounds fair yeah it's just not going to happen without i mean i i think that there of course should be some sort of playoff game but there's not going to be any place really in the schedule anywhere but you could have past what the well. See, that's the thing is you'd have to postpone the conference championship for that season for a, a week, basically, just so that way you could have a game between these two teams to see. And then, oh, then the excuse is going to be going up. Whoever wins that game, oh, we didn't have the amount of time or whatever, or we had to play an extra game to then go against whoever the conference division champion is on the other side. So, I mean, it's it's a catch-22 yeah, it really is. situation for for that whole dynamic. And, and the same thing could happen in the Big Ten and the Big 12 this year. But, yeah. hell, for all that matter, the same thing could happen in the SEC this season. And that's something to have to consider is, is that how – the decision is going to be made whenever it comes to playoffs. All right. You know, you were right there. You were right there. You had the same thing. Had we had divisions, this would have been the scenario sort of thing. You might like, start seeing like, okay, whichever, card yeah, whichever, whichever one of you all, and that's, that's going to be the, the, probably the argument to mm-hmm. say this, there should be wild card games because of this reason. Yeah. Maybe you've got a, a – you're looking at the top 15 and you've got three-loss Tennessee and a three-loss Texas mm-hmm. sitting in the same spots and the, the the number ones or whatever from each whatever going up against themselves. And then how do you – yeah. Yeah. So, how do you make that judgment? Yeah. Weird weekend. Very weird weekend, and and really get into the meat and potatoes of how the season could shape out uh, for each one of these individual divisions. Definitely excited to see what's going to continue to happen, how these different division battles are going to play out, see who is ultimately, at least for the SEC, if not anybody else, is going to play out. But um, I know you're not entirely thrilled about it. Of course, I'm not either. But at least we do have multiple teams in the top ten at this point mm-hmm. from the SEC, so we can get that monkey off of our back. And we do have some fringe teams just on the outside, and hopefully they can uh, climb a little bit higher to be able to join us or join the 
other teams atop the the top ten in the rankings. Well, guys, I believe that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Join us ne- a little bit later this week. I was about to say next <laughs> week. Join us a little bit later this week when, of course, we will be previewing. Week can nine. you believe? Yes, week nine of the SEC slate. Four games, including South Carolina traveling to Texas A&M. Mississippi State is going to Auburn. Kentucky is back in off of a bye, and Tennessee is traveling to Kentucky. Vanderbilt goes on the road to Ole Miss. And, of course, the big one right now is going to be number one Georgia traveling to Jacksonville. Of course, Florida team not being able to stay at home in the swamp. This is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and does take place on a neutral site. Um, but yeah, definitely some interesting games coming up for the SEC slate this next weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a few teams off, but we do not have any out of conference play for this next week slated. It is all going to be conference matchups with the SEC East hierarchy definitely coming a little bit clearer into focus. Like we said, as Georgia takes on Florida and Tennessee takes on Kentucky. Well, guys, on behalf of all of all, Tyler McDaniel, I am forever to the Gamecock, Brian Lowe. And, guys, we will see you on the next episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Thank you.